Hello, bonsoir, and welcome to the Get French Football News Show. I'm your host, Nathan Staples, and joining me this week are French football journalist Mohamed Ali and GFFM writers Eric Devine and Philippe Bargil. Ten weeks in, and Liga is firing on all cylinders, and it's also firing the occasional manager as the first casualties have occurred this weekend. But who went? Who will come in? Can things get better from here? All this and more after the latest headlines. Monaco started the Ligue 1 weekend off in fine form, thumping injury hit Montpellier 6-2. Youngster Kylian Mbappé-Lotan contributing a goal and an assist as Raya Boudoubouz scored from a free kick and the spot for La Paillade. Saturday's early match deepened Lyon's domestic woes as their fine performance against Juventus in the week was followed by a shambolic defending as Marcus Coco's brace was enough to power visiting Gangon past the hosts 3-1. In the multiplex, two of the league's form teams clashed with Toulouse dropping points in a scoreless draw at Angers. And Bordeaux also played to a draw 1-1 at home to Nancy, contributing their month-long winless run that has seen Jocelyn Govenek's team drop from 4th to 8th. Lorient lost in dramatic fashion at Dijon. Defender Jordan Loita's um, winner at the death, sealing a 1-0 win with Cholet Melou manager Sylvain Ripoll sacked in the aftermath. Lille won 2-1 at home to Bastia, moving out of the drop zone on goal difference that, thanks to a superb free kick from Sebastian Corsia. Rennes, meanwhile, continued to improve, rising to sixth on the back of substitute Kamikiro Grisicki's brace in a 2-1 derby win at Nantes. Although the news that defender Mexer is set to miss two months will surely be frustrating for Christian Gorkouf. Sunday's early match saw Saint-Étienne record their first away win, 2-0 at hapless Caen. While Nice left it late at Metz, Alisson player scoring on 84 minutes to complete a hat-trick in a 4-2 victory that sees Les Aiglons improve their hold on first place. In Le Classique, new-look Marseille, Marseille's five-man defence did well to frustrate Paris Saint-Germain in an encouraging start for new boss Rudy Garcia. And in Ligue 2 news, Brest and Leal both one to sit first and second, although Amiens can go second with a draw or win against Red Star. The Northern Club are in action at the time of the recording of this programme. And that's all for the news. But remember, for all your latest in the French football world, head on over to our website at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com and follow us on Twitter at GFFN. We start this week with the big fixture of the weekend between Paris Saint-Germain and Marseille that ended in a nil-nil draw at the Parc de Prince. It was a bit of a game between attack and defence, almost like it was um, a training match. But Philip, PSG couldn't really force a winner in this one and they, they struggled to create a load of, of real clear-cut chances in this one. No. Uh, so first things first, uh, Marseille have a new manager, Rudy Garcia. There he played uh, Catenaccio uh, 5-3-2. The game was uh, quite reminiscent, I thought, of um, France versus Albania uh, at um, at the Euros uh, with um, with that formation. Tactically, it was uh, quite good. I thought Orlando had uh, had great ratings from uh, most of the press. So did uh, so did Fanny. So did uh, the fullbacks. Um, I mean. Even Sakai defended quite uh, quite well. Problem problem being was PSG. Unlike France against Albania, they didn't take their chances. Cavani missed an open goal, which is not really that surprising these days. In in on the big in the big occasion, I mean, he has he has scored a couple. Um, I uh, was quite surprised to see Cruzeiro on the bench. I've said it before. Um, the game against Bordeaux, I think it was a couple of weeks back, where I thought I said that um, Piaget are twice as threatening going forward when Cruzeiro is on the pitch, which is not really um, logical when uh, when you consider that Cruzeiro was a left back, albeit a very very attacking left back. But uh, why is he so good? Is that the wingers are actually not uh, not threatening? Di Maria had a Decentish game, I would say, having a few props at uh, Pulley, not nothing that you uh, and Pulley can't deal with. He's just not not performing to the standard he is 
that he should be. The standards uh, being uh, the first the first half of last season. Lucas is extremely frustrating, and um, yeah, Cavani misses um, an open goal. So Peugeot didn't take their didn't take their chances. Marseille were. Uh, quite uh, resilient and um, it didn't make any mistakes. They probably, uh, you know, they. I'm not, I'm not even sure if they they deserve uh, anything from their game. I, I would say yeah, for, yes from their from their resilience. So you know, Garcia um, came what he uh, got what he came for, and uh, you know, fair play to him. An extremely frustrating uh, game to game to watch, of course, for every, for anyone who. Who likes uh, French football? Who likes? Um, uh, who was looking forward to that game? Um, it actually kind of came a bit too fast during the, sh- the schedule. It was only, uh, I think, on on Tuesdays that I realised that uh, the, the Sunday evening game was going to be um, PSGOM. But yes, yeah, so quite quite frustrating, all in all. Eric, in in terms of Paris Saint Germain, it, it was a game where. Um, very strange game where Marseille failed to register a shot on target throughout the entire game. It's the first time, at least in Opta stats, that's happened. Um, was it just a case of the missing opportunities or, or were individuals not playing to their full potential? What was the real underlying reason PSG didn't claim a win they probably should have had? Well, I think... Obviously, we have to look at Cavani. I think that uh, Philip makes a fair point on Di Maria. I think that he's not been the player that uh, we've ex- we've expected him to be. That he's he's been for much of his time at PSG. We saw his arrival from Manchester United give him a real lift. He uh, appeared to be much the player that he had been at Real Madrid after the unsettling events that had occurred with his family at Manchester, and that many had pointed to as being the cause of his decline in play. But uh, as much as he still works works wonders i think you know again without without uh, leaving Kurzawa on that left side without Di Maria at his, his full potential PSG really become an unbalanced team uh, that was in some way ameliorated by having Rabio on the left rather than the right uh, he was able to get forward and aid in the attack as well to some degree but uh, too much of the play simply was going through Aurier and, and Lucas on the right uh, and that made it a little bit too easy for for Marseille to, to, to defend that, as you rightly say, Catanaccio style. Uh, Rod Fani, again, did have did have a fantastic match. I don't think we should undersell Rolando's uh, return to the team. This is a player who's played at Porto and Inter Milan. He's has a wealth of experience at really some of Europe's finest clubs, and it was, it was surprising to see him being kept on the bench with regularity uh, by Franck Passi. But I think that given the form of Doria, you know how you know, have a, a solid – a three-man defense that can it can be built upon going forward. Uh, Thomas Hupichon is an option off the bench as well to give them added depth. And I think more credit needs to go to Marseille, though. I think that uh, I I hadn't been really convinced, frankly, by the defensive performances, in particular of Hiroki Sakai, to date this season. And as much as I have uh, a lot of love for Henri Bedimo, both from his time at Montpellier and at Lyon, he's a wonderfully attacking fullback. His defensive solidity is often called into question. Uh, but he and Zakai, I think, really played that that wing back role uh, to great success, and it was just a, a really impressive tactical decision by uh, by Rudy Garcia. And I think that as profligate as PSG could be, uh, I think that credit also needs to go to the visitors for uh, really steadying out their soul in a very solid manner. And just before we we move on to talk about Marseille, F- Philip, I wanted to talk about Marco Verratti, who. No, I was actually off. going to mention him. Yeah, yeah, so he, he, he was um, not particularly pleased, <coughs> shall we say, at, at, at coming off for, um, during the second half. What did you make to his performance? And do you think it was the right move to take him off or would it be the better decision to take off someone like uh, Thiago Motta and try and put extra impetus into the team rather than, than removing someone like Verratti? There are many things I would uh, do differently had it been uh, Unai. First of all, Kozawa should have been on the pitch. I'm not sure if he was injured or not. I have no idea. Um, I think that uh, things should have, should have changed at half-time at the earliest. We we say we say all these um, we have all this praise for the for these um, Latin managers, um, so Spaniards and Italians. So we we used to do that for Carlo Ancelotti. How they are tactically astute and how are Liga managers. Uh, um, and I, I was listening to a podcast. Uh, it was about Genesio not being quick enough to change his system against Juventus. Well, 
to, to me, it was that was a case last night of Knight not being quick enough to change his system. And when he did, I don't think it was quite, um, uh, shall we say, efficient. So first of all, Cazal should have been on the pitch. I'm, I have no idea why um, Lucas is starting ahead of uh, Benafa or Jesse. I would have. Uh, I, I'm call, call me um, not a Thiago Motta lover, but I don't. I I, I really do believe that Chris Shogak should be given more chances uh, in um, in playing ahead of uh, of Thiago Motta. I thought it was not that bad against uh, against Arsenal. That was a game at the Parc des Princes. Verratti, yeah, he got uh, he got a lot of flack from the press. Um, Phil, I mean, I'm sorry, I, I jumped yeah. in here. You have no idea why Lucas Moura, scorer of five goals in the league, yeah, I'm is sorry, ahead it's, of Hatem Ben Arfa. Yeah, I'm sorry, it's just uh, just not there in the, in in the big games. I'm just I'm just not um, not uh, convinced. And but, I would have I, I would have I would have started him. I, I just uh, on. On form, I think uh, that game is has a particular. Um, I'm sorry about the game against Marseille. Right. Uh, has has a particular, you know, uh, feeling to uh, to Benafa more than it has to uh, to Lucas. So I would have started him, but that's me. Mm. <laughs> but that's maybe, maybe it's me just because it's Marseille. I mean, I do I do realize that Benafa hasn't been playing all that much, and uh, that uh, um, Lucas has been has been scoring goals, but. Yeah, maybe okay. that's um, maybe that's uh, just um, uh, just uh, just a personal thing. Um, and going back to Verratti, yeah, he got uh, he got a lot of flack, and um, he just um, he he reacted badly. I, I'm not uh, I'm not sure uh, if I agree with uh, with uh, all the criticism he uh, he got. Um, and it is true that uh, Matridi not being as technically um, good as Virati. Perge did play a bit better, but uh, it was still it was still quite abysmal. So I'm a, yeah, I'm I'm going for a bit harsh there on Virati. That's fair enough. Um, mm. Mo, Mo, let's go on to the, the positives really. And, and although mm. they didn't have a shot on target, Marseille defended resolutely <laughs> and with a new formation and a, and a new manager at the helm. What were your What was your opinion of the game? Yeah, I mean after you know after. A nerve-wracking 90 minutes. I actually really enjoyed uh, last night's performance. Uh, probably because, you know, we, I've, I've come in here a few times and obviously I think you guys have also in previous podcasts have spoken about how bad defensively Marseille are. Um, you know, the, there's, there's lack of def- defensive cohesion. There's uh, missed opportunities. Um, players, you know, especially in the Velodrome last season, easily finding space behind the back uh, the, the centre backs, um, but it was it was refreshing to see a proper resilient defensive performance last night. Um, and I know you know, P, you know the neutrals might have said that it might have been a very boring classico. It might have been you know having five five man defence is pretty uh, ironic given the club's motto is straight to the goal in English as well. But um, you know, considering you know two only two training sessions and forty eight hours in the job, and Marseille have lost what. 11 or 12 games in a row to Paris Saint-Germain, there was only one option. Um, it's very, very unlikely to score at the Parc des I think Paris have only failed to do so maybe five or six times, I think, in the last four years, three, three or four years. Um, so there's only one thing, and that's trying to limit Paris Saint-Germain creatively as much as far as possible. And they did that to perfection last night. I think there were a couple of hairy moments. Um, I was speaking to another Marseille supporter last night as well. The fact that we of Marseille were pretty lucky uh, in certain occasions, maybe to Cavani's profligacy or or the fact that defensively at times Marseille were a little bit creaky, but the last ditch interceptions and the tackles that came instinctively right at the right at the death proved, you know, like you know, so it was a lifesaver really. But um, I think, you know, what we've seen last night shows that you know the defensive capabilities of OM. And I think from going forward, there can really be no more like shambolic uh, defending, considering that they've actually put in a performance of real defensive quality last night as well. Yeah, and it makes my prediction on the uh, preview show, we won't mention it at all, but it makes it look very, very silly. Um, it, and it, as we've already mentioned, it's obviously the first game of, of the Garcia era, and we've already seen him 
put a bit of a stamp on this team already. What could, what do you what do you think going ahead? He we can expect from him and this Marseille team. Is this a real building block for them to probably build <laughs> at least some attacking play next week? Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think I, I would definitely hope that last uh, last night was a bit of a one-off, you know. But they did do the job. I think what I like to see, what I like about Garcia is, you know, the uh, tinkering with formations. You know, and I think at Roma he was also a little bit criticised about not having that much of a plan B, so not too different from a Michel uh, at OM last season. But you know, we've with Frank Passi, we've actually kind of stuck, or even. Bielsa aside, we've kind of stuck almost religiously to the 4-4-2, uh, 4-2-3-1 formations. Um, but, you know, it's, it's nice to see uh, Rudy Garcia kind of looking at what he's got, and he will have the same until January at the very least, and trying to see how well to approach a game. I think, you know, his assistants were already... I think one of his assistants were was watching a match in the press box last night just to see how the team set up from high above, how the tactical setup looks and changing it. And, you know, his decision not to bring on Maxime Lopez uh, towards the end of the second half um, and kind you know, constantly analysing the tactical shape of the game is something really, really refreshing. Um, and I think no manager apart from Marcelo Bielsa, uh, you know, kind of achieved that. Um, I think in going forward, he'll, he'll kind of, will have to look, you know, how, how will we best set up the team to achieve the goals? Because, you know, Marcelo do have to take, I think, one game at a time, really, until the market opens. Uh, already talk about you know maybe snatching the Europa League qualification place, which would obviously be a, I think a massive success considering the way that the season was about to go. Um, but you know I think he will just have to take each game one by one. But and I would also like to see more tactical innovation. You know, will 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 OM kind of revert to his four three three at home next week against Bordeaux? How will he set up on Wednesday in the cup against Clermont? Um, you know I, I think there'll be a change. Maybe he he might just settle back. You know, for a 4 2 3 one, maybe more daring formation at home, but away from home when Marseille have actually been really, really poor uh, lately. Maybe he will kind of just, you know, maybe set his team up a little bit more defensively and kind of, you know, focus on getting getting, getting the points and getting the objectives. I think, you know, Marseille are actually laden at the back. You know, so many defenders and so many um, uh, quality, well, players that can do a job on the bench, you know. You had three on the bench, uh, three uh, on the starting eleven yesterday, and Rakik and uh, Huberchan as well, um, and you've got a couple of others on loan as well. You know, Marseille really, really stacked at the back, so it'll be interesting to see how we kind of go forward. Mm, and I do want to get you in this, Eric, in this tactical thing that Marseille decided to do. Were you also a little bit surprised that Rudy Garcia seemed to go away from what we probably expected of him with that four-three-three that that we've we've known from his time at, at Lille and, and at Roma? Yeah, absolutely. I I think that uh, Lequipe had been one of the first sources to break this, and I was I was reading the the early edition on uh, Saturday evening, my Saturday evening, that is uh, ahead of the match. Uh, and and they had put forth this this three five two as a lineup, and I was really surprised. Uh, I mean, obviously Garcia is a manager of some experience and wants to put his stamp on the team, but uh, he's never been known as a defensive manager. But you know, as Mo rightly says, you've got a host of able defenders. You've got your two fullbacks, uh, your two best fullbacks in Sakai and Betimo, who, who aren't the most solid defensively. It does make sense. I, I do think that it, it requires. Uh, uh, it re- it's going to require some work in terms of sorting out the attacking combination because I think that, that Tovan has had a good start to the season, but I I don't know that he necessarily convinces as a 10, which is where he was playing last night off of off of NG and Gomez, at least initially. Uh, I do think that uh, Remy Kabayan needs to be included in the team in some way. Uh, so there's still some work to be done as to how the attackers fit together. I think there's a lot of interesting pieces there. Uh, I think in that quartet of Angie, Gomis, and Cabea, and Tovan, you have players who all have proven uh, that they, they have what it takes to, to be a, a decent player at a league level, at least a, a level of a, a European qualification, uh, if that is to be the target this season, which, I, you know, given how congested the middle of the table is, I don't think is, is totally out of bounds for Marseille. Uh, so that's going to be the, the issue going forward. And I, I think that uh, if if we can, if he can, if Garcia rather can get that right uh, in sorting out that midfield, 
and we're also bringing along some of these younger players, the likes of, of Zabo Anguisa and Emichach and, and a few others, uh, then, yeah, Marseille should be a little bit more positive to watch going forward. Uh, but there is still definitely some work to do in that attacking third to, to make the best of the talent that just have available to him and then attacking third. Was I the only one to uh, to uh, to actually notice that while most of the media uh, pitched it at a three five three five two was actually uh, it was it was uh, to, to me a five three two we had a clear separation between the back five and the three and yeah. I thought Zamboy and Guita was on the right Tovan was on the left and Jara was the defense shielder of the back five which you know is. Uh, um, Quite an important job in that situation, but it did. It didn't seem to me that often, at least in the first half, that Tuva was uh, a number ten behind the two strikers. He was he was often seen on the left hand side, maybe trying to mark Aurier, maybe trying to to uh, to be a nuisance to Lucas. Um, but I didn't really see him centrally. Maybe because you know Marseille never had the ball. Basically, I'm not sure what the stat was uh, of possession was something uh, something ridiculous. But it was more, I don't know, I thought, I thought Tovan was more on the left. No, I, I think that's a fair but, point, Philip. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. I, I should clarify that. I, I meant Tovan being... No, the thing is, it wasn't against you because I've seen, I've, 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 uh, I've heard this all day. And I just don't, as you say, is it just me? You know? I, no, would no, rather, I, think, I think it was private as well, yeah. 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 I would rather okay. see Kabea as, uh, as the creative conduit with, with Tovan cutting in from wide areas. He is much better mm. uh, cutting in from wide areas. And, and sorry, I meant to say Tovan as being the creative conduit between defensive midfield and attack. Uh, mm. He's not really, I think, cut out to be that sort of player. So, But yeah, I, as Mo is saying there as well, I, I do agree with you that he's not a number 10 per se, but more being used as a, a central creative player. Um, so, yeah, my apologies. I, you're right. um, I, I just want to bookend this sort of t- t- speech on, on Marseille it, with a final little word from each of you. Mo, I'll start with you. Um, can, is it, we were rumbling around last week of what the manager would be before Garcia was announced, but now it is Garcia. Can he make this club big again? Um, yeah, I think, I think he's got the profile uh, to do so. You know, he's had success as well in Roma. And also the promise of investment will kind of, you know, any manager will be lucky, you know, to have kind of the promise of investment that he has. And he'll be able to stamp, you know, his uh, his kind of image on the side. And, you know, he's already pretty experienced as well when it comes to Liga. Um, I think I think he has, I mean, he's already made, uh, a, you know, he's already made a mark as of last night. Um, and it'll kind of be interesting, you know, I think we'll be able to judge him from the spring. Uh, you know, maybe considering where Marseille are, if they've made a vast improvement in terms of league position, but you know, on paper, definitely, I think it's a it's a, it's a great match uh, for between Rudy Garcia and OM. You know, it's, it's, he's one of the rare French coaches as well that's had international experience, like the statement said. And obviously, Marseille are you know, the, I think still the biggest job in France aside from the national team. Um, and so it's, 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 I think it's a great match on paper. Whether 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 it actually happens, it actually transpires, I think we'll just have to see. It's too early to say. I think it's also the kind of manager that will enable uh, the decent players left to actually stay until the end of the season. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm I really mean Lasana Diawa. I, I can I can see him staying in, uh, in much more probability in January than if uh, Parsi was still the manager, which is a great point. That's which true, is a great true, plus. Yeah. Which is a great plus for Marseille having that kind Although, of player. Although, do you do you think do you think that will be the case since he's had the captaincy stripped? Uh, well, at least for one game at least. I would be more uh, worried about Mo. Do you know what his the issue is with his being sued? Uh, yeah, well, the fact that I mean, he's still got a ten million euro uh, lawsuit on him uh, right. from Lokomotiv, well, and I don't think nothing's happened with that. I think I think I generally think that he's literally waiting for a move uh, to China or the Middle East. Um, and what Marseille, do, you know, does or, you know, whether they want him, I think that he'll just move, um, considering. And Rudy Garcia did say at the beginning on his press conference on Friday, he did say, I'll have, a, I'll have a talk with him and I really hope he stays with us. But the captaincy also rests, you know, whether he wants to stay. And surprise, surprise, yesterday after Timmy Gomez I was captain, although he was, I think, I think, it's, you know, I did like to point out that he was kind of uh, gracious. He, he put in a real performance last night in midfield without the armband as well. Um, 
but I, I, I just, I just don't think he'll stay in in January really. As much as, um, as much as Marseille really do need him, considering, you know, I thought Zamba was horrific last night, and Diaby will probably no longer play again. Um, <laughs> yes, you know, right. I, I, we cannot rely on just Vanker, Zambo and Lopez in midfield at this point in time. And I think Marseille really, really do need the hour to say, but like, uh, like Phil said, you know, Rudy Garcia is the man, uh, you know, to kind of persuade him. And he's got the, you know, reputation as well. The thing about Diawa, I don't think he's that kind of person that would throw his toys out of the pram and saying, oh, I'm not a captain, I'm just going to sit there and mope. And mm-hmm. not, I think he's, uh, he's a bit more professional than... Yeah, than no, that. no, I, I, but, I agree. I just, I just yeah. think that fine is hanging over him so much that mm. whether, whether, you know, captain, captain or no captain, he's, he's angling for a move out. And mm. I just think football, you know, doesn't really much do with it anymore for sporting reasons. Mm. Yeah, which is a real shame. Uh, a real so- shame. Thank you again, Mo, for, for joining us this evening. And no problem. Thanks Marseille, for having me. As always. No problem. <laughs> Hopefully we'll have you on again soon. Thanks. Uh, just to sort of link from this now, and, and some chat that's maybe a little bit different and a, and a bit more interesting, well, interesting to some at least, as Liga signed a deal with uh, EA Sports this week to brand the E-League uh, as they make their own eSports League. And... Uh, combined with that news, Paris Saint-Germain have bought a League of Legends team uh, that's with the former star from the European team called Yellow Star, or to give him his real name, Borakim. He's the head of esports at Paris Saint-Germain. And I thought I would talk about this because it's it's an interesting deal, both for the league, who are setting up a FIFA esports league, and for Paris Saint-Germain, who, as I've mentioned, is setting up that League of Legends team. Now, to start with the League of Legends side of things. Um, just to give you some statistics, because I know, unfortunately, my two esteemed guests aren't uh, so much clued up on the esports scene as, as maybe some of us are. Um, the finals for the League of Legends tournament from 2014 was 27 million viewers co- over uh, something of 200 countries that went up to 36 million viewers last year. The final for this tournament is next Saturday, so that's expected to double the prize pool is around the four million mark, and that is expected to be around. I've I've read around about the six million mark come this next weekend. But it's an interesting play by a lot of French teams because that's every single French team are hiring two players to do the FIFA esports league that will be starting sometime in the near future. And it's an interesting marketing ploy with esports growing across the world. Like I've mentioned, there's plenty of people tuning into the League of Legends stuff and also other brands are building up bigger profiles such as Dota 2 and FIFA are looking to cut into that market. So maybe that's something to keep an eye on, especially with smaller league and teams putting players in there. Yes, it might cost them a little bit, to, well, not an enormous amount at least to put them out there, but it gets the name out there, it gets the branding out there and hopefully with uh, League Arm being the first country to sort of do this hopefully it will build some more um opportunities and marketing branding and and get that knowledge of the teams out there in the future so it's a, a slightly odd but uh exciting time for, for league on in a, in a different way but back to the football on the pitch um another week and it's another leon loss unfortunately they're 13 points adrift with five losses on the season and after leading against gown as well eric how does genesio stop the rock <sighs> you know, honestly, this season is starting to smack of last season. Uh, I thought that Leon did fantastically well at, at the weekend or during midweek, uh, withstanding the pressure from Juventus and and getting and not the win, but I think a creditable performance on our shoulders. But now, uh, I think this team looks lost. It looks frustrated, and it looks like the same team that. Uh, Hubert Fournier was was fired from uh, a little less than a year ago. This team does. This team looks depressed and out of sorts. Um, I can certainly point to individual errors against Marseille, particularly Raphael and Nicolas Nkulu for Coco's two goals. But the fact of the matter is, this team is not um, is not is not performing uh, to a level on an individual basis as well, and that's down to the manager. Um, I wrote uh, a little piece in the, the talking points that will be published tomorrow that saying that the thing that links each of the teams that are in the top four in uh, in league eyes that each of them have a, a center back who's taking 
a new and expanded role. Uh, for PSG, obviously that's not by addition, it's by subtraction in terms of David Luiz, but Toulouse, Monaco, and Nice have all brought in a new center back. Uh, Dante uh, and Christophe Julien and... Uh, Vic. And Gleek, right. Marseille, or Leon did the same thing. Uh, they brought in Nicolas Ankulu. Great. I mean, he's a player who has a wealth of experience with Cameroon, with Marseille, and the Champions League. Uh, but even as he's been probably Leon's best defender this, this season, uh, the team haven't really done enough to solidify at the back. They, more than Samuel Titi, uh, in the past year, they've also lost Milan Bisevac, who, again, not the fastest, but a decent league on player. Bakary Kone, again, a decent player. He can do a job. Uh, Lindsay Rose uh, moved, moved permanently as well. Uh, just, there hasn't been enough uh, players brought in to play central defense, and I think that uh, Genesio, in, in that defense, is faced with a real lack of options right now. I mean, yes, Jeremy Morrell can do a job, but this team needs to, if they're going to persist with Genesio, bring in another center back, uh, and if they're not, uh, bring in someone who can, who can solidify this team and, and perhaps revert them to... Uh, more defensively oriented 4-3-3. I, I do think that, uh, that the, the continued presence of Sergi Darder in the team also doesn't offer enough protection for that back four. A, a, a real central midfielder, if we look at the very best teams playing a 4-3-3, I'm thinking particularly of, of PSG, is that those those central defenders, or so central midfielders truly can shuttle back and forth and, and aid, the, aid the deep line midfielder uh, in protecting that back four, particularly when the fullbacks get forward. And when you have a right back of, of the likes of Rafael and a left back of the likes of Machis Ribas, uh, you are going to have attacking fullbacks, and it's important that they get forward. But uh, right now, this team doesn't have balance, um, and the the attacking players seem short of confidence as well. It's it's just a, a really frustrating situation front to back, and I think Leon need to make uh, some decisions pretty quickly here over over what's going to be the issue here. I don't mean to imply that this is Sola Ginesio's fault. Uh, I do think that Leon should have been a little bit more uh, considered in their transfer strategy in the offseason, but the fact of the matter is he has a group of players uh, in central defense that, uh, along with Pamana, I shouldn't, I shouldn't neglect to mention him, he's had a decent enough start to the season, uh, that aren't performing to their levels, and it, he needs to figure out a, a way to make this work and quickly, or uh, a chance of returning to the Champions League uh, is going to be lost. A couple of um, comments that I, um, I heard uh, is there seems to be as much off-the-pitch uh, problems than on-the-pitch problem. Eric, do you follow uh, Jean-Michel Olas on Twitter? Yes, but I, I follow 300 people. I don't see everything he yeah. says. Uh, was there a specific <laughs> comment you... Uh... No, no. I mean, uh, it's uh, other people that uh, that follow him. I don't uh, I don't follow him. Otherwise, it's, uh, well, basically, uh, the problem of following too many people and can't really uh, keep up with it. Um, saying it was, uh, of course, uh, uh, followed by a win against Dynamo Zagreb where he went overboard saying, mm -hmm. it's players are fantastic, I've got the best margin in the world, blah, 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 blah. Basically, bigging um, the whole setup uh, after a Champions League win. I mean, fine, it, it was a Champions League one, but it was against Dynamo Zagreb. And um, he, here, um, there, are, there were other, other problems, uh, the uh, omission or near omission of Olas from the uh, league committee. I'm not sure if you guys heard of that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and um, some an, another problem would be uh, that uh, in the um, organizational chart, there seems to be uh, this uh, problem between Bernard Lacombe and Gérard Rouillet, who can't stand each other. Uh, they're both supposed to be director of football or something like that. And uh, Genesio, when he ha when he has uh, this um, this problem, when he wants to implement a three five two, when he wants to go back to a three four three or four two three one four five one, whatever, um, who does he turn to? And um, if it's Lacombe advising him, Julio is going to say, uh, "You should listen to me, not to him," and vice versa. So there really seems to be, you know, a lot of lot of off the pitch, off the pitch uh, problems. On the pitch, I would say, I mean. Genesio was fine in the second half of last season. Um, and again, is it just a Champions League game, the added pressure and all that? Because 
uh, yeah, it's uh, it certainly would have helped uh, Lyon's confidence going into the Guingamp game had they not lost to Juventus. I mean, like I said, didn't miss a, didn't miss a penalty. They were against an unreal Buffon, but um, I, I, I'm. I'm not sure if it's just the Champions League. It's just the added pressure of European competition. Um, maybe something's a bit lost in the dressing room. And uh, you're right, it, it does sound quite familiar to last season where Genesio is probably a couple of, uh, couple of weeks away from losing the dressing room. I don't, I, I don't think we can count out the injury crisis, obviously. Yeah. And gone alone being suspended for four matches. Uh, yeah. Tussar did decent in his, decently well in his stead, but mm. uh, you're missing Fakir for a stretch. You're missing Lacazette for a stretch. Uh, you're missing Raphael for a stretch, and you know that's going to have an effect. Uh, mm. I, I think Christoph Jalle, this guy again, he's 33 years old, but he was with France this summer. He's a, he's a top quality right back, and he mm. offers much more solidity in that position than does Raphael. I, I, Raphael in a th- in a three five two, I have a lot of time for. Raphael mm. in a four three three, not so much, unfortunately. Uh, um, so I, so I do want to jump on that point, actually, Eric, because he did change the formation for this one. Was that the right decision to do? It, I know in hindsight it's a lot easier to say, but mm. as you mentioned there, that Raphael is a, not the best of right-backs in a fourth 3-3, three, three, and he leaves his other defenders exposed. I think if you're going to play a 4-3-3, three, three, uh, you, pl- you can't play, as he did uh, on the evening, both Rebus and Raphael. Uh, both of them are too attack-minded, uh, and, and don't play with enough defensive responsibility. That's why I like the three-five-two. Is that both of them can both of them I feel like function fairly well as as a wing back. But as orthodox fullbacks, uh, it needs to be either Morel and Raphael or Jale and Rebus. It can't it can't be both of them at the same time. There needs to be more balance in that in that four-three-three. I think the four-three-three is the way forward. But again, uh, Nathan, I know I know you're a big a big fan of Sergi Darder, but you know what? Maybe, maybe a little bit of improvisation here. Uh, I I prefer Jordan Ferry. I think he isn't not as cultured of a, play, a player as as his Dardar, but he allows more freedom for Tolisso to get forward, and he allows uh, and he he's got more of an, a fire and an aggression to him. And I think he also, uh, being that he is an academy product, I also think he has a better relationship with his teammates. I so I, I put to you, Nathan. I know you'd seen a, a bit of Dardar. Uh, at Malaga before he come, what do you think his ideal role is? I mean, this is a player who was bought for twelve million. He was not not peanuts, especially by by Liga standards. I think his ideal role, strangely enough, is where Toluso is playing. But <laughs> in strange, that's what he usually plays, isn't yeah. it? Yes, exactly. Yeah. And I, I I actually think that Leon have looked a little better with the three five two. But I, I I'm gonna. Probably, I'm going to pin the current problems, especially the problems at the weekend, almost entirely and solely on that back four because that back four created their own problems and their own mistakes at the weekend. I mean, the first goal isn't great. The second goal is a poor, really poor giveaway and they they don't get a position from there. It's, it's so... I mean, Marcus Coco is standing in the middle of that box for a good five, six seconds. Raphael's busting a neck yes to get back because he's too far forward before the, they lose the ball. The centre-back in, in Kula doesn't know. It comes across, it hits him. Yes, it's a little bit awkward, but that's a strange one. And then the the third one is so simple. It's a it's a long through from a goalkeeper. And Raphael is caught again too far up the field. And I can't believe that Marcus Coco has literally shifted the ball two inches to his right-hand side. And Nkulu is done. It was the it was the one of it was. I watched a lot of bad defending at the weekend with Chris Smalling <laughs> at Manchester United, and that and Kulu did exactly the same. He wasn't close enough to the atta- the attacker. It was so so simple, and that deflates an entire team for me. And that brings me on to my next question, really. And that and that is Eric. Surely, after five defeats, after focusing on the Champions League, Bruno Genesio has to be under pressure now. I think he is under pressure, but I think holistically, I know he's another one of these managers who have been promoted from within and haven't quite worked out. Um, I'd, see, I'd seen someone, I'm part of a, there's an OLUSA, American Fans of Lyon Facebook mm. group that I'm part of, and uh, someone on there had mentioned Laurent Blanc maybe in a possibility. Hmm. 
Okay. I, I, I would take that. I think that he could well. He wouldn't be against that. No, no. Okay. I, I think that, I think that he's, he's definitely a step up from, from Genesio, whether he'd mm. be interested or not. Mm, I don't know. I, I think he might have his sets sets set a little bit higher than Leon given, given his uh, success with, with PSG and in the past. But, uh, the fact of the matter is, I, I think that Genesio needs to be given at least until the winter break, uh, and to have some of these injuries sorted out. I, I can't, you know, I, I, again, I'm, I'm banging this drum. I can't emphasize enough how important Jalet can be to his team. Uh, I know Rafael has the name recognition for a lot of our listeners due to his time at Manchester United, uh, but even at even at 33 years old or 32 years old, I'm not sure when Jalet's birthday is. Uh, He's he's still a better right back than Rafael. I'm sorry. He's much more composed defensively. He's more of an aerial threat, uh, and he's he's still able to get forward in, in a way that doesn't leave the team exposed. Oh, I don't think anyone is disputing that. No, I think it. <laughs> I think at 24, <laughs> at least I not here. Better, <laughs> I might be a better right backer than Rafael at the moment. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, just a um, quick quick word on Gangon, Philip. Um, it's another. It's a big just, win again for them. So three one and. Just one little, one little thing very, very quickly. I'm not quite sure what Blanc's reputation is, stands at in this today, you know, in October 2016. I don't think he would, um, he would think twice that much about joining, uh, joining a, a big club like Lyon. Lyon are still a big side, and he doesn't seem to have that um, attractiveness abroad. When, whenever um, a manager managerial position is free. Um, Blanc just doesn't come up, so it really—I mean—it would make sense to me. It would make sense to him. It would make sense to to Lyon. Uh, he's got experience. He's uh, he's uh, he is ready to play a three-five-two in a quarter-final of Champions League. You know, well done on him. Um, but um, I think it would—I uh, wouldn't be that surprised that um, it would happen in January, even sooner. And very yes, quickly, a, a word on a word on Gangon. They're up to fifth, and they're on seventeen points. They're only three points behind Paris Saint Germain, and and Kubari's done a good job with this team, hasn't yeah, he? Yeah, I mean they're they're still doing the same the same thing they were doing um, in uh, back uh, back in August, uh, back at um, Windsor, such like the games against uh, against Marseille, Jimmy Briand, uh, Yannis Salibur, Coco. Um, they've got uh, quite a quite a good uh, good game plan. They're quite uh, quite aggressive. They're very hard to beat. Very hard to score a goal against. And uh, if they start to get uh, those couple of away wins, they could go back to uh, those uh, Europa League um, adventures. I mean, it is quite fascinating um, how um, how well they've um, they've adapted to uh, the new manager, which is. Uh, which is Kumbari uh, and Govenek did a did a did a great job. I mean, he had all the foundations with uh, with Gangon. So it's uh, yeah, it's uh, it is. I mean, it is surprising to see Gangon um, winning at Lyon. I mean, um, I was uh, I was actually in a, in, a, in a car listening to it on the radio uh, with a Lyon fan um, who was uh, who was about to, to smash the car. Um, but it was, uh, you know, it was still surprising. But then you, then you listen to a commentary. You see, you you picture yourself uh, with uh, with a radio commentary, and you just think, you know, this is, uh, yeah, this is happening, and it's, you know, only um, surprising from from the Lyon side. But you you, if you've seen Gagnon play a couple of se- a couple of times this season, you know, they're a good side and very hard to beat. And the, just to bookend the, on Gangon, they've mm. they've lost three games this season. They've only been by one goal, all three of them. And mm. they have a really interesting run of Angers, Dijon, Bordeaux, Caen. I really like the goalkeeper as well. He's uh, I think he's uh, he's quite good as well. Johnson, yes, isn't it? Carl, Carl Johan Johnson, yeah. An mm. assist. An assist yeah. for Raphael. Hey, I yeah. will say, <laughs> you two both laughed at me when I... I Put fourth Gangump as a dark horse for the Europa League earlier this season. Yeah. Oh, did we? Go back and I listen will. to that previous show. I, yeah. will happily, okay. I will happily take that back. That's fine. <laughs> we're going to talk about another talking point, and uh, we're probably going to mention one, one uh, of your other predictions that were actually spot on. Yeah, and that's a perfect segue, as they might say, because the first casualty of the season, of a permanent manager at least, was um, the comes in the shape of Sylvain Ripoll at Lorient. Uh, they sank to the bottom of the table with their third loss in a row in a heartbreaking final goal from uh, from Dijon that they ran out 1-0 winners. Um, having only scored six goals in 10 games as well, Philip, where has it gone wrong? 
Um, I think it hasn't started um, the the best way, but I don't think it's uh, it's a catastrophe, shall we say, from from Lorient. I believe that they made the right signings late on in, in the window, and I believe that uh, the chairman of uh, Lorient um, had some kind of confidence to Sacripol, even though they did uh, do some, uh, they did achieve some decent, uh, some decent results. I mean, they they lost at Dijon, but that goal was scored in the ninety what ninety third minute, third minute of stoppage time, something like that. So they were close to a nil nil draw away from home, which is uh, hardly a surprising uh, result and hardly a bad result. Um, so I think he, he uh, the uh, chairman, um, I forgot his name, benefited from the inexperience of Ripple. For, for example, had Antonetti been the manager of Lorient, I don't think he would have been sacked. He would have said, "Okay, you're a manager. You, 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 you've done your, you've done your thing. You are uh, not a shit manager. So I'm going to leave you one or two games more. But uh, Ripoll is not uh, Fred Antonetti." So he got uh, he got the sack, even though some performance of Lorient were quite solid, and you know exactly like the one last season, except last season they had a bit more luck, they had a bit more um, cohesion, and um, you know when when the manager keeps being keeps being the same and same again, it just starts getting uh, getting tedious, and motivation is uh, much harder to come by. So I'm I'm not sure it's a right move, honestly. I don't think I don't. Um, I still don't believe Lorient will go down, but I don't think it was a necessary, um, necessary uh, sacking. Because I, I mean, they, they they are going to be towards the bottom for the uh, with a squad like this, whoever's in charge. Um, but I I believe Ripoll uh, wouldn't have have had Lorient relegated. Well, well let, Eric, we mentioned a couple of weeks ago after they'd lost four in a row to start the season. Since then, they've had two wins and four more defeats that season sit bottom of the table. With just six goals, they've barely moved on from that total as well. Was this the right move for you to take Ripoll out of there? I don't see. I agree with Philip. I don't see Ripoll being the problem. I, mm. I feel their, their transfer strategy is the problem. I mean, let's face it. We should also say with a caveat that one of those wins was against uh, Leon and you know, a win that's looking less impressive by the day and also was due to a, a blinder by Benjamin Lecomte. And, so, and there was against Lille, so... <laughs> oh, that's... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, six dubious points there. But, no, in all seriousness, we have Lorient selling uh, Rafael Guerrero, uh, getting a good price for him, getting a great price for Didier and Dong, but where's that money been reinvested? Cafu, Lindsay Rose, who's already with the team, and Steven Marrera? You know, the, the club are probably making a net profit of somewhere on the order of 25 million euro on this. And the players they are bringing in, Arnold Mwemba, Jeremy Allier, uh, Mikel Siani, you know, players in their early to mid-30s who eh, can probably still do a job in Ligue 1, but this is coming at the expense of, of you know, a decent array of younger talent at the team. Uh, we'd seen uh, earlier in the season last year uh, the likes of Denny Buanga and Valentin Levine you know, put themselves, Benjamin Jano, put themselves forward as players who could perhaps make an impact were they to be given uh, consistent time with the team. But now, with this, this strategy of bringing these veteran players who I'm sure Repol's under a good deal of pressure to play them, uh, given the wages that they're probably on, uh, is, is stymieing the development of this team. And we've seen time and again, uh, Gangump, you know, the topic of our last conversation, Leon two seasons ago. Uh, a younger, a, a youth movement can and w- can lead to success in Liga, and mm-hmm. teams that have trusted in their younger players uh, have more often than not, as long as there's some solidity there, and you've got a great goalkeeper and, and, and decent defenders. Zaro Torre, in particular, I think is a decent center back. Uh, there is there is something to be said for for Lorient as being a team that is getting it wrong by by turning to these these older heads. I mean. There's there's no reason that uh, that this team should be be where they are, especially with the attacking abilities that we know the likes of uh, the two strikers have. That's uh, I'm sorry, Mukanjo and and Waris. I mean, yes, we can have the caveats about them blowing hot and cold, what have you, but there's still way too much talent on this team uh, for the for them to be. Uh, bottom of the league right now. It's 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 uh, it's down to poor strategy by the hi- hierarchy, uh, and I think Repol is taking the fall here. 
The funny thing, Ripoll has actually um, built the foundations for whoever's going to take charge um, uh, in uh, giving a usage chance to uh, Pierre Vamel, who uh, played two, two substitute appearances and scored one, and to uh, Erwin Kofi, who's also uh, who's also a striker, three starts and one sub. Um, so these guys have already played a game in Liga, which is absolutely massive for uh, your confidence and how you, uh, you you set yourself before before a game. Um, it, it does seem like a bit of a of a Arribaje conundrum where he, he does he does um, throw throw the young guys at the deep end, but uh, he doesn't get uh, the right results and gets sacked and replaced by someone extremely ex experienced and uh, who uh, who reaps the benefit and saying he gave you his chance even though he didn't really even though Yus was given his chance under the previous regime this is this is basically what i think is, is going to happen i think i think the the, the signings the signings are basically um uh, secure signings shall we say for Mbemba and Siani because they are experienced uh, guys, and uh, it is quite important to uh, to have those guys uh, when you're uh, in at the uh, in at the deep end in um, in March, April, where they'll need to uh, not concede a goal. Um, but uh, I think I think they have started uh, a bit, but um, this is you know this is this is the beginning. This is why I'm just uh, just saying you know I still I still see them. Uh, not going down directly, considering that 18th is not um, um, is not going uh, is going to be a playoff against the best uh, against the third best team in Ligue 2, which is a huge change actually. Yeah, and uh, I'm just looking over the team now, and Eric, you mentioned the talent of the the strikers, and Maji Waris has failed to score in nine matches. That's not good enough. Benjamin Mukanjo, fair, fair enough to him. He scored four goals, two from the penalty spot. But other than that... <laughs> there's, there's only no, three scorers yeah, in that team. The Jimmy Cabo's grabbed Jimmy one. Jimmy Cabo, Amel and Mukanjo. Yeah, you've mentioned Amel already. I can't believe that they're not creating anything in these... Or scoring these these goals. I've seen them in numerous games, especially Warriors. I think he's missed two absolute sitters. Um, it just... It, but it, you're both right. I think they don't, they definitely have the talent to stay up. But again, you can never really trust that in Liga sometimes. I mean, if you look at the teams above them, Nancy are above them, who obviously grabbed a point of the weekend that lifted them above them. And then they're four points adrift of Caen, Montpellier, Lille and Bastia. And I, other than maybe Caen, I think all three of the other teams are better than Lorient. And then... You're struggling a little bit, unless Mets or, or Dijon come back at you. Um, although they've had relatively decent starts, then mm. at this time of the season, it's you're starting to sink in that mire you don't want to be in because the, any if they keep going on as they are, and I'm, I'm just checking their fixtures for the next couple of games to see if there's if they've if they've got any underlines. But that, that that's the problem with that Dijon match as well. That it's such a key game that they've lost and, and they play they've got a chance against Montpellier next week you'd say they've got Bordeaux Monaco Metz and Rennes before the end of November so <sighs> yeah I don't, I, I don't know if it's Nice's fault but Metz is fastly becoming the worst defence in Liga. <laughs> so if if Erding is not if not is not performing and Enget uh, they're going to be in trouble I mean it's great with all the fairy tales that we're all very happy for them uh, and the same goes for Dijon. I don't think Dijon is going to have many, many uh, wins this season. But if anything, uh, I would, I would actually put Dijon uh, beyond, above, sorry, Mets in the in the final standings. One team uh, that you didn't mention, and this is where I, uh, I'm going back to uh, what Eric's prediction was actually spot on at the beginning of the season was Carl being in a, in huge trouble without Andy Delors up front. Um, I saw I uh, covered uh, this riveting game against Saint Etienne on. Uh, on uh, Sunday at three, kind of awful. I mean, I know they had uh, players that were unavailable, injured, maybe suspension or anything, but there was actually absolutely nothing there. I can see something there for Lorient, but uh, Santini just didn't provide anything, and uh, Saint-Étienne did, did play three days before. It's extremely, um, sincerely worried for uh, for Caen, and uh, it pains me to say this because I actually like them. Yeah, um, they're, they're my new favourite, shall we say, of uh, <laughs> of uh, finishing bottom. 
that's not always the kiss of death from you, at least, though. No, 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 no. Take some assurance from that. But no. uh, that's good, you Yeah, mm. <laughs> I, ju- I just want to mention possible replacements now, Eric. And there's been a few names thrown about. Ellie Bope has supposedly rejected an approach, and and Uber Fournier's name's been been thrown out there as well. Um, have you got a name or or someone you'd like to see at the helm of Le Melu? I think Fournier deserves a chance. I I think that there was. Too much, too much dressing room unrest at Leon, and and yes, the team did improve remarkably, remarkably under Genesio. But I think that he's he's proven himself, given his prior stints in Liga, uh, to be given another chance and and to to take this team uh, out of the out of the drop zone at least. The thing is, was funny if he does take this job, what kind of a manager is he? Because he did a great job at Reims, um, he got them up, I think, maybe not. Um, yeah, he he made he did it. oh good, um, he uh, he made him a solid Liga outfit. Then he um, he went to Lyon, had a great season uh, with that four four two diamond uh, used as uh, the the use very very well, uh, built on the foundations of uh, of Remy Gard. and uh, now he's out of the job and he's going to manage another team that is extremely unfancied. I mean, um, Reims has not. Uh, Used to be used to be uh, good in the Raymond Copa days, 1950s. But that's uh, that's a bit outdated. Uh, Lorient are, are just as uh, unfancied, if not more. So if he does accept, I mean, is he going to be that kind of manager that goes to goes to sides that need rebuilding, need to get promoted from need to need to uh, become established, and then uh, once again uh, being taken by one of the big boys? Because that would have been a bit of a you know, things uh, things happening over and over again. Because I, I, I do believe he deserves a bit better than Lorient. No offense to them. I, well, but at the same time, Philip, if his reputation is at such an ebb. He does mm-hmm. have this experience of bringing through young players. I'm thinking the likes of uh, yeah. Isamandi and Nico de Preville at at Reims, yeah. Uh, yeah. and to continue that program with Lyon, uh, he's a, he's ideal. He's ideal to bring mm-hmm. through uh, the wealth of of younger talent that. Uh, that's that's on display at Lorient. Uh, even the signings they made in the summer, Cafu is only 23. Uh, there's there's still a lot there's still a lot of development to be had for Le Merlu. and I think Fournier would personally be an ideal candidate. Uh, he can play a 4-4-2 diamond, even you know perhaps put Cabo in between the strikers or or, or Juf in behind the strikers as a, as a as a playmaker. There's there's a lot of possibilities there, and I think that Fournier is probably the best. Uh, you know, best on the market. I mean, I can't think of anybody else off the top of my head. I know there's. A, I've got a few other names. Paul Le Guin was rounded uh, about. Yeah, there's Guy ah. Lacombe being bounded about as well, <laughs> and there's also <laughs> yeah. He's been out of the game for too long. That's what you mean. And uh, Eric Roy as well is another name that's been uh, uh, thrown into the mix. Maybe I, I'm I'm not I'm not convinced about his. Uh... Yeah, maybe I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, very yeah, left field uh, names. I think Fournier is uh, better. Yeah, <laughs> at least we know where they should really go. But um, uh, uh, another one is President Ferry is also considering possibly Roland Corbis. What what would you think to that kind of move, Eric? No, <laughs> no, no, no. no sorry, no. I, I again, I think just doesn't we, fit. We've seen in Liga time and time again managers to give chances to youth. If there is a, a, a strong level of achievement in, in that academy, have success. We're seeing it with Kambuari this season uh, at Gangump. We've seen it with Leon in the recent past. And it just makes sense to have someone like Fournier who has a proven record for, for developing players and continuing, in that, and, sorry, continuing to be a part of that continuum as he had it at, uh, at Leon. And the rest of these players, yeah. I mean, when's the last time that Lacombe or... Uh, Le Guin have been in club management. It's been a decade, maybe. I mean, when did Philip? When did Le Guin leave PSG? Two thousand eight. Yeah, uh, seven, something seven, like that. that. Was, yeah, something like that. I, I think that's what. Yeah, option. I mean, he was. You know, he got Cameroon to, to the World Cup. I mean, great, but two thousand nine as well. It's been nowhere since then. Uh, yeah, two thousand nine. So. Anyway, plus, I, plus, why, why? I mean, uh, why, why would you just, you know, go, go, go out and uh, manage uh, Oman? I mean, it's money. Just, uh, yeah, probably, <laughs> yeah, probably. But even, even for a lot of money, I don't think I would, I would do that. You wouldn't. <laughs> I, I would, I would rip your hand off. I think. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Same. 
Uh, yeah, I don't know. It didn't work out. No, and, and no. <laughs> at least it might be interesting to see who, who Lorient ending end up bringing in them at least. But that's all the time <laughs> we have for this. Oh, week. just one last thing is that uh, the uh, um, reserve manager, as it as it usually is the case, uh, Franck Ez is going to uh, be on the bench against Rennes for Wednesday evening's host trip to Rennes, which is a Brittany derby right. in the Coupe de la Ligue. A win there and a, a possible statement until the weekend. Maybe it's another assistant manager that takes a job. But uh, that, yeah, that's all. That, that's definitely all we have the time for this week. My thanks to Mo earlier, Eric, Philip, and to all of you listening at home. Join us for the preview show hosted by Eric on Thursday, and we shall be here at the same time, same place next week. Abianto and goodbye. <laughs>